Welcome to What's Up in Jeju, where I visit places around the island and talk about what's happening with Hashtag Daily K's host, Peter Bint. Where are we going today? So today we are headed over to another museum for all of my uh, fellow museum lovers <laughs> and history lovers. I'll oh, one-up the last one. Wow. We went to the Jeju National Museum a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So today I'm taking you to the Hanyo Museum. <gasps> wow, the famous female divers. Yes, yes. I got to interview the director. The, oh. the big, the what do you call it? The big dog? Oh, the top dog? The big wig. <laughs> the big wig <laughs> of the museum. The director, Pu Yong Shik, is his uh -huh. name. But first off, before we get into the museum, let me just describe to you uh, what a hanyo is. It is something that we're very proud of in Korea, but in particular, Jejdo Island. Yeah, right? yeah. So at its uh, at the very basic level, mm. a henyo, henyo is a woman sea diver who is unique to Jeju. Mm -hmm. But they're really so much more than that. Their cultural significance is really world-renowned. Mm. And they're celebrated as one of Jeju's most treasured cultural heritage, even being designated as a UNESCO intangible cultural heritage back in 2016. Intangible, so you yeah. can't touch them. You can't touch it. No, you cannot, <laughs> unfortunately. Unless you want to go up to a henyo and Poke be like, them. can I touch you? <laughs> it's a little odd. You may get, you may get yelled at, but <laughs> yeah. you could try. Um, their work is called muljil, and that word muljil is specific to the work a henyo does. Mm. And it's basically sea harvesting. Uh -huh. And they harvest, they harvest shellfish and other kinds of seafood by yeah. free diving. Wow. They work up to seven hours a day so like you mentioned before peter they they do go with a single breath with no oxygen tanks but the henyo their significance is um it's just they're just so important in jeju's history and it's said that the henyo are who made jeju what it is today oh really yeah they were the backbone of jeju's economy for hundreds and hundreds of years i guess still you know harvesting that seafood and uh, selling that on the shore that mm -hmm. contributes to the economy right and in the past it was the main economy the main source of income wow. for people on jeju it was either that or farming yeah that is a really interesting way to look at it they made jeju what it is today yep uh, mm -hmm. And so there's a museum dedicated to them. Yeah, so de it's dedicated to them and to preserving their work and legacy because a lot of the henya today are, um, they're getting older in age. Mm. So they're either retiring or they're passing on and there are no new henya oh, or no. as many taking their place. That's the sad thing. We've mentioned that on the show. There's just not as many of the young generation who want to spend seven hours in the cold water. Right. It's really, really laborious work. It's yeah, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So the museum is located in Gujaup, which is on the east side of the island. It was mm -hmm. founded back in 2006. It has three main exhibitions, which covers the Henyo's daily life, mm -hmm. their actual work and work site, yeah. and the history Ooh. of Henyo. Okie dokie. So we're going to split up our parts mm -hmm. with the song breaks into those three yeah. parts. Nice. Yeah. So checking out the daily life. Right. So we're going to head into the Henyo's daily life. What did it look like? So this exhibition, as soon as you go into the exhibition hall, it's the first one that you walk into. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing you see is a house. It's a traditional thatched roof house Ooh. that is very uh, specific to Jeju. And the director explained to me, and he was telling me all about the history behind this particular house uh, that they had designed. Oh. And let's take a listen. 앞에 보시는 이 초가는 어, 제주의 이제 전통 초가를 이제 재현을 한 겁니다. 이건 이제 저희 해녀방 박물관 근처에 
어, 평대리라고 하는 마을이 있는데 그 평대리에 어, 이남숙 해녀가 살았던 집이에요. 그걸 이제 고스란히 어, 일로 어, 아. 가져와서 전시를 하고 있습니다. 근데 이분은 13살 때 해녀 물질을 시작해요. 어, 그런데 어, 이분이 어, 제주 사선 사건 때 남편을 잃죠. 그래서 음. 어린 아이들 데리고 혼자서 키우고 그리고 공부까지 이제 가르쳤던 분이신데. Right. So he was explaining to me that this house, this particular house, is a replica of the home of Hanyo E. Nam Suk, mm. who passed away in 2008. We're going to put that on the video screen right. here. Right. Yes, please. Like a kind of humble abode, you mm-hmm. could say. So right now, if you're looking at photo one, it's the exterior of the house. And mm. the house isn't large. It's divided in, up into three rooms. Yeah. Um, if we can take a look at the second picture, the second picture, picture number two, is the inside of the middle room. So that's kind of, I guess, where the what you can call like a the common area. Oh. But it's where you do everything but sleep. Okay, it's very humble, right? And this is a replica, not the actual house that they've transported yeah. there. Yes. But you can get a feel for, you know, these henyo, they're not living glamorous, glitzy lives. Right, absolutely not. It is a replica of her house, but a lot of the stuff that you see, a lot of the items that you see inside the house are her personal belongings. Oh, wow, yeah. that she donated after passing away. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we heard if you didn't understand the audio, she uh, was a henyo for a very young age, from 13, but her husband passed away in that 4-3 incident we mentioned Mm-hmm. On our show together, right? Yeah. Oh, so that's terrible. Yeah. She was a Hanyo since uh, she was 13 Korean age, so it's about 12 wow. international age. She was married at the age of 22, had two daughters. Mm. Um, unfortunately, her husband did die during the April 3rd incident that we had talked about last week. Yeah. So she spent her entire life supporting her two daughters and making sure that they got an education and had a better life than what she thought that she had. That's unbelievable. Well done to her indeed. I do want to play another image if we have that, Peter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got our third photo Yeah, yeah. So that's image number three. If you look at the picture, you can kind of see what a fishing village back in the day on Jeju would have looked like. Ah, so the foreground is kind of the water and the boats and whatnot. Yes, yes, right. And you have that stone port. Mm -hmm. uh, The traditional fishing boats that they used in Jeju. Uh So the work of the Henya was just started from from daybreak and lasted all the way into the night. Uh, she was responsible not just for the sea harvest and for the mulje work, but she was also responsible for raising her children. She was responsible for coming back and feeding them and taking care of household chores. Oh, wow. And then she was expected to also farm the land. As, as well as the husband, I assume? Yeah, so the the men, traditionally, they ha- also helped farming the land. Uh-huh. But a lot of them worked out on those boats that you see. Uh, as fishermen rather than divers. Right. The life of Jeju women was so different from mm. women anywhere else in Korea because Jeju women were highly involved in economic activities. Oh, nice. So, yeah, everything that they harvested and everything that they farmed, they, they sold. Oh, So brilliant. they made money. So that's kind of still to this day a tradition that's remained because a lot of the henya will go out and grab this from the sea and sell it on the shore right as soon as they get out of the water kind of thing yeah which is the best Ah. it's so fresh and tastes so good it does taste like the sea is in your mouth Mm -hmm. when you eat that i wonder if someone wants to be a henya do they have to be korean and residing in jeju i guess the latter part of that 
it's a bit difficult to be a henyo considering they are Jeju female divers mm-hmm. if you're not living there. But yeah. being Korean, I wonder, actually. No, so that's not a prerequisite. There oh. are henyo schools. Wow. Yeah, that you can attend here. You can register and then go through the entire process to become an official henyo. Wow. Do you get like a qualification or something? Yes. So you get kind of, I guess, you learn the tricks of the trade. Uh Uh-huh. Right? But you you can't officially become a henyo unless you're accepted by the henyo community, Uh which has their, because they have their own bylaws and and rules and traditions as Uh well. Like a little guild. Right. So you do have to live... In Jeju, you have to live in the community and mm. serve in the community for a certain number of time before they even consider you. Okay, so we're going to move on to part two, are we? Yes, yes. So I want to talk about the work site where they actually worked along the coast. Uh-huh. So if you were to step into the Henyo's work site, maybe about a hundred years ago, the first thing you would see is a circular stone wall. So in Jeju, we have a lot of stone walls. We call the little them volcanic rock ones. Mm-hmm, the, we call them patam or tortam. D- depending on its function, the name is different. Uh-huh. But this particular stone wall is called a pultok. A pultok. Yeah. Okay. And it is an integral and very important part of the Henyo culture. Uh, and the director was telling me all about it. He described its function to me, and oh. I want to play that audio for you if we can. Okay. So the director was saying how the pultok is actually multifunctional. It has mm. many, many functions. It serves as a changing room. Oh. It serves as a resting area. Um, also, also the place where they hold religious ceremonies to pray to the goddess for a good harvest. And this isn't like a building, but a walled area? Yes, yes. Oh. It, I have a picture for you. Okay. For those who are streaming in. Yes, wow. Yeah. Oh, so, it's kind of cozy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some are smaller, some are a lot bigger than this. Uh, but it's it's just like a circular stone wall. Like almost like a little pit you're mm-hmm. making. Right, right, right. In the middle of it, if you can make it out, there is a fire pit. Mm. Yeah, that they uh, light on fire d- during the cold winter months. Ah, not to necessarily cook something, but to keep them warm. Sometimes they do cook. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. When they get hungry, if they get hungry, then they'll cook some of their, their harvest there. So I'm guessing the function of this wall, because it's not very tall, like... If you're sitting down, it will come up to your head. Right. It's maybe yeah. more to like keep the wind at bay and things like this and just mm-hmm. a bit of shelter. Right. Shelter and a little bit of privacy while they're changing. Uh-huh. Uh, so this one, this particular replica that they have at the museum is one of the earlier Plutoks. Mm-hmm. So they gradually did make the stone walls taller and a little bit more sturdy. Mm-hmm. Um, these days... Uh, you can see remnants of it if you go along the coast. Oh, wow. But the modern-day Henyo actually have 
full on like rooms. They have buildings like dedicated. Like actual changing rooms. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's very well done. Apparently, I've never been in one, but apparently it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm thinking this is nice for history, but in this day and age, you wouldn't like to get changed crouching behind a yeah. small little pultok, perhaps. Yeah. And so the guy mentioned as well, the director mentioned that the kids would maybe wait here for their mums as well. Yeah, and so that one, when he mentioned that, really hit me in my heart and oh. it hit that side. Soft spot, soft spot, you know, as a mom, was that once the Henyo had children, uh, the eldest was expected to watch the infant inside the pultok oh. while the mom while mom was out working, like a baby pen. Right, right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But and then when mom comes back mm. uh, to the pultok, it served as the nursing room where wow. she fed her babies. It really did everything. It right. got it kind of maybe nice to look at in a museum like this. But if you're actually doing it, maybe that was. I don't know, quite a harsh condition to raise kids in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just well, the work of mm. the Henyo is difficult, but they're fighting against the elements of Jeju, yeah. where we're known for it's very strong winds. It's, it's especially strong and harsh right along the coast. Mm. All that sea winds. Certainly. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guessing it would have raised hardy children, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but in terms of like, the girls in the, the Bultok, when would they actually go out with their mothers? When could you start being a henyo? You mentioned that one earlier who mm -hmm. passed away, whose house we saw a replica of, starting at the age of 12. That's pretty young. That is pretty young. They start actually learning how to swim and uh, the basic skills when they're about six or seven. Wow. Yeah, so they're put put in the ocean at around that age, you know, getting used to the water uh -huh. and floating and things like that. But then they actually start... Um, as an official henyo at the age of 12. Ah, that's like the cutoff point. Right. I mm -hmm. see. We've got a couple more photos to show you of the clothing now, right? Yeah, so I, I really wanted to show you guys this because um, it kind of gives you, I feel like, uh, a better understanding of how difficult the circumstances were in which they worked. It's very basic, this clothing we're seeing on screen. Right. It's just undergarments. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, cotton undergarments. And that's what they wore as in nothing on top of this. Nothing on top <gasps> of this. This Actually, Henya, all the way back, like hundreds of years ago, they uh -huh. they swam naked in the nude. Oh. Yeah. Well, I guess that is the most natural and maybe right. aerodynamic. But right, right. Yeah, it wouldn't fly today so much. <laughs> yeah. But once, you know, cotton clothing like this was invented... Uh, they started wearing their undergarments oh, into the ocean. Oh, and swimming in this as yeah, well. Yeah, swimming in this. This is what they used to go in the water. Oh, my goodness. That's a bit tricky because nowadays you see them in their big wetsuits, mm -hmm. right? Their rubber suits, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily like the high-tech latest thin wetsuits, but proper like old-school diver ones. And sometimes they mm -hmm. have the old-school big goggles that cover yeah. both eyes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. But back in this day, they wore just their underwear. They had no goggles. Oh, no. Yeah, they had no headwear. They would just like open their eyes in the water. Right. Right. Yeah. And just go after the colors is oh. what they say. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think we've got image number six as well to show. Uh, image number six mm -hmm. is the upgraded version of what we just saw. Oh, this looks a little cooler. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, The material is a little bit thicker, a little bit more sturdy. Now they're starting to design and color their, their uh, work clothes. Yeah. They finally have uh, headwear. And one interesting thing that uh, that the director told me was that this this headscarf that they're wearing uh -huh. is really long. Okay. So uh, they they call sharks here. The henya here call sharks dolphins. It's the same word for dolphin oh. in their language in Jeju all. Okay. In the Jeju language. Yeah. But they have a saying where if they travel, if 
they travel in herds. They're they're friendly, but if it's a lone dolphin, then you need to be fearful. Oh, because then it's a shark. Yeah. So what they would do was they would start. They would tie this headscarf around their ankle and make themselves look bigger than they are because it's really really long. So to hopefully scare away sharks. Oh, wow. I wonder if there were any records of, like, Henyo getting attacked. They must have yes. been fearful of it for a reason, yeah? Yes, there are records <gasps> of Henyo uh, dying by sharks. Yeah. Oh, no! Really scary, yeah. Like, in modern-day career, I don't think that's a thing that's happened for many a year f- mm-hmm. for even swimmers or anything like that. It's not mm-hmm. something we'd look out for. But, wow, back in the days, that actually mm-hmm. occurred. Goodness gracious. It just makes it even more challenging, that profession, yeah, right? Yeah, right. I guess we shouldn't highlight that too much to uh, try and recruit youngsters to do it. Uh, No sharks anymore. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. It's Uh, safe. It's safe. Mm -hmm. uh, So we're going to get into the history of Henyo now. Yes. So excited (laughs) for this part. So let's get into it. So the first time we see information about Henyo, so written record Uh of Henyo is in the early 1600s. Wow. And director Boo uh, isn't that cool, his name? Director <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so appropriate for Halloween. Yes. Director Boo emphasizes that in the earliest literature, it describes the Henyo as organized and skilled workers. Oh. So that implies that they had been around for a lot longer than that. He says that for as long as there have been people on Jeju, there have been Henyo and Hinam. Ah, Henam is not a term we hear anymore these anymore. days, right? But there that's are. the guys. Yeah, those, so Henyo, Nyo means girl, mm-hmm. and Henam, Nam means male. Okay. So Henyo and Henam. Uh, they, their henums do exist. Oh, even today. Even today. So the sea harvesters, though, these, these sea, Jeju sea harvesters were initially, way back in the day, the mm-hmm. origins were both male and female. Oh, so it wasn't even they were originally male. From the very beginning, it was just both. Yes, yes. But the women did more of the uh, safer, I guess you can say, work in shallower waters. Okay. It's more kind of picking off the rocks and things. Mm. And then the men did a lot of the diving because that was more laborious but also more dangerous. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of uh, effort and you need to be really strong, actually, to pry off the abalone. Yeah. They really stick good onto those rocks. That's one thing that I totally forgot about, right? It's mm-hmm. not just getting down to the depths. It's them yeah. Prying off them, which are really designed to not be pried off, right? Right, right. So if you if you remember in the picture that we saw before the break, uh, there were these stone tools that they used to pry off shellfish mm, and abalone. Back in the day. Back in the day. They still uh-huh. use similar tools today. Yeah. Yeah. But as Jeju came more and more under the power of the central government meaning the king, mm-hmm. heavier taxes were placed on the people, on Henyo, on the Uh-oh. sea harvesters. And they were, dem- like, just huge amounts, large amounts of tributes became uh- mandatory for them. Uh-oh, that makes it less lucrative. Less lucrative and a lot of hard, hard work, mm. which eventually led to the mass exodus of men to the mainland, which we talked about ah. a couple of weeks ago. So uh- that's why that happened. Mm-hmm. And that left the women to take up the men's work and they had to they had no other choice but to do start doing the diving so they filled that kind of void and that's why it was a majority females right mm. so historically most women living along the coast on Jeju became Henyo, yeah, which led to them becoming very, very highly organized mm. and a really tight community because they had no one else to rely on for survival. Sure. Uh, there are many instances of Henyo dying at work. Oh, no. Yeah. And they, they, 
it was just a whole structure. They had their own regulations. They had their own bylaws. There are three ranks of henya according to not just age and skill, which are kind of the obvious, yeah. but virtue. They looked at your character, how wow. wise you were. And the more virtue and character skill that you had, mm. uh, the higher ranking you were. Before we run out of time, Angel, yeah. we do have one more clip from yes, the director, right? Mm-hmm. What are they? What is he talking about this time? He's talking about the contributions to education. Oh, let's take a listen. Since schools and fishing villages were uncommon, communities of Henyo in the past would create these funds, is what he was talking about. And they collected their earnings to purchase land and then build schools on wow. those on that land. Yeah, We've got a photo. Yes, we do. Looks like back in the day, black and white. <laughs> right. And this school, this is the Onpyeong, the school in Onpyeong. Wow. They did build this school and then they donated they donated the land and the school to the government. Oh, that's amazingly yeah. selfless, isn't it? Yeah, it's just amazing, amazing. And then their own kids could obviously benefit from education right. as and well. Right, and kids in the entire community. Fantastic. Yeah. What's Up in Jeju is supported by JDC, which is creating a free international city that resembles nature, embraces the future, and reaches the world. Arirang Radio.